Welcome back, everyone, to Six Days of Sunday. Thanks for joining me. Um, quick apology. I realized when I went to finish recording this week's podcast that for whatever reason, last week's never published. So I've gone ahead and put that up. In this week's podcast, we're going to see three of the greatest leaders in the Bible. King David, King Solomon, and Jesus himself. In all three of those cases, we see people who are struggling in their roles as leaders, or at least acknowledging that their principal imperative is to serve people, to be a shepherd to that flock of people. Both David and Jesus used that that metaphor, that their responsibility in seeing the people hurting and seeing them clamor and seeing them lost that they need to be the sheep or serving the flock as opposed to vice versa. So as we go through the, the readings this week, I would ask you to keep an eye out for the number of times that these great leaders identify that their role is one of service. That despite David being a king, he doesn't see that the people and the servants are there to serve him but vice versa. That his guidance to Solomon is one of service. And that when Jesus sees people troubled, when he sees them in pain, that he's not demonstrating that he's put upon or frustrated that they have expectations of, of him, but he seeks ways to serve them further. Monday, January 29th, 2024. A reading from the second book of Samuel. An informant came to David with the report, the children of Israel have transferred their loyalty to Absalom. At this, David said to all his servants, who were with him in Jerusalem, Up, let us take flight, or none of us will escape from Absalom. Leave quickly, lest he hurry and overtake us, then visit disaster upon us and put the city to the sword. As David went up the Mount of Olives, he wept without ceasing. His head was covered, and he was walking barefoot. All those who were with him also had their heads covered, and were weeping as they went. As David was approaching Baharim, a man named Shimei, the son of Gera, of the same clan as Saul's family, was coming out of the place, cursing as he came. He threw stones at David and at all the king's officers, even though all the soldiers, including the royal guard, were on David's right and on his left. Shimei was saying as he cursed, Away, away, you murderous and wicked man! The Lord has requited you for all the bloodshed in the family of Saul, in whose stead you became king. And the Lord has given over the kingdom to your son Absalom. And now you suffer ruin because you are a murderer. Abishai, son of Zeruiah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over, please, and lop off his head. But the king replied, What business is it of mine or of yours, sons of Zeruiah, that he curses? Suppose the Lord has told him to curse David. Who then will dare to say, Why are you doing this? Then the king said to Abishai and all his servants, If my own son, 
who came forth from my loins, is seeking my life. How much more might this Benjaminite do so? Let him alone and let him curse, for the Lord has told him to. Perhaps the Lord will look upon my affliction and make it up to me with benefits for the curses he is uttering this day. David and his men continued on the road, while Shimei kept abreast of them on the hillside, all the while cursing and throwing stones and dirt as he went. The Word of the Lord A reading from the Gospel according to Mark. Jesus and his disciples came to the other side of the sea, to the territory of the Gerasenes, where he got out of the boat. At once a man from the tombs, who had an unclean spirit, met him. The man had been dwelling among the tombs, and no one could restrain him any longer, even with a chain. In fact, He had frequently been bound with shackles and chains, but the chains had been pulled apart by him and the shackles smashed, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the hillsides, he was always crying out and bruising himself with stones. Catching sight of Jesus from a distance, he ran up and prostrated himself before him, crying out in a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. He had been saying to him, Unclean spirit, come out of the man. He asked him, What is your name? He replied, Legion is my name. There are many of us. And he pleaded earnestly with him not to drive them away from that territory. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there on the hillside, and they pleaded with him, Send us into the swine, let us enter them. And he let them, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine. The herd of about two thousand rushed down a steep bank into the sea where they were drowned. The swine herds ran away and reported the incident in the town and throughout the countryside, and people came out to see what had happened. As they approached Jesus, they caught sight of the man who had been possessed by legion, sitting there clothed and in his right mind. And they were seized with fear. Those who witnessed the incident explained to them what had happened to the possessed man and to the swine. Then they began to beg him to leave their district As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed pleaded to remain with him. But Jesus would not permit him, but told him instead, Go home to your family and announce to them all that the Lord in his pity has done for you. Then the man went off and began began to proclaim in the Decapolis what Jesus had done for him, and all were amazed. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Before going further, a couple of notes on this one. It's worth noting this is there's an incredible parallel here because you basically have the seed of David in constant conflict with the the region of Saul. So you see the reference to Shimei, the son of Gera, and that's the same Gera from which the, the name of the the uh, tribe, the Gerasenes, comes from, 
uh, in the story of the Gerasene demoniac. So in the one hand, you have David and, and his close followers being accosted by Shimei, the son of Gera. And in the other hand, you have Jesus confronting the devil, confronting legion in the, the region of the Gerasenes, and ultimately having the people of the Gerasenes sending Jesus away along with his followers. So in both cases, the followers of the line of David are being sent out and are being accosted by Gera and by his, his tribe thereafter. Tuesday, January 30th, 2024. Now, a brief note of context before we go into Tuesday's reading from the second book of Samuel, because we've seen a great deal of time pass between the reading from Monday in the second book of Samuel and, and from Tuesday. Um, in that time, David has gone from fleeing from Jerusalem, and he's spent time hiding out in the desert plains, much like he did when he was hiding from Saul before he became king. And while there, he discovers that a lot of people are actually in support uh, of him as king, and that perhaps uh, Absalom's control over the people was, was grossly overstated. In fact, from the readings before Monday's reading, you would find that Absalom had somewhat engineered um, uh, the ploy to make it seem as though all of Jerusalem, all of Israel was against David, uh, when in fact they weren't. So David reassembles this army and says, we're going to remarch on Jerusalem, take the city, but no one is to harm a hair on the head of Absalom. And he especially tells this to Joab, his immediate deputy. So now we see David has been successful. He's been routing Jerusalem. He has been uh, overthrowing, taking back the city from the rebels. And uh, Absalom is effectively in retreat at this point. A reading from the second book of Samuel. Absalom unexpectedly came against David's servants. He was mounted on a mule, and as the mule passed under the branches of a large terebinth, his hair caught fast in the tree. He hung between heaven and earth, while the mule he had been riding ran off. Someone saw this and reported to Joab that he had seen Absalom hanging from a terebinth. And taking three pikes in hand, he thrust for the heart of Absalom, still hanging from the tree alive. Now David was sitting between the two gates, and a lookout went up to the roof of the gate above the city wall, where he looked about and saw a man running all alone. The lookout shouted to inform the king, who said, If he is alone, he has good news to report. The king said, Step aside and remain in attendance here. So he stepped aside and remained there. When the Cushite messenger came in, he said, Let my lord the king receive the good news that this day the Lord has taken your part, freeing you from the grasp of all who rebelled against you. But the king asked the Cushite, Is young Absalom safe? The Cushite replied, May the enemies of my lord the king and all who rebel against you with evil intent be as that young man. The king was shaken and went up to the room over the city gate to weep. He said as he wept, My son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if only I had died instead of you. Absalom, my son, my son. 
Joab was told that the king was weeping and mourning for Absalom. And that day's victory was turned into mourning for the whole army when they heard that the king was grieving for his son. The Word of the Lord. A reading from the Gospel according to Mark. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him, and he stayed close to the sea. One of the synagogue officials named Jairus came forward. Seeing him, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, saying, My daughter is at the brink of death. Please come lay your hands on her, that she may get well and live. He went off with him, and a large crowd followed him. There was a woman afflicted with hemorrhages for twelve years. She had suffered greatly at the hands of many doctors and had spent all that she had. Yet she was not helped, but only grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. She said, If I but touch his clothes, I shall be cured. Immediately, her flow of blood dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Jesus, aware at once that power had gone out from him, turned around in the crowd and asked, Who has touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see how the crowd is pressing upon you, yet you ask, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. The woman, realizing what had happened to her, approached in fear and trembling. She fell down before Jesus and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be cured of your affliction. While he was still speaking, people from the synagogue official's house arrived and said, Your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher any longer? Disregarding the message that was reported, Jesus said to the synagogue official, Do not be afraid, just have faith. He did not allow anyone to accompany him inside except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they arrived at the house of the synagogue official, he caught sight of a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. So he went in and said to them, why this commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but asleep. And they ridiculed him. Then he put them all out. He took along the child's father and mother and those who were with him and entered the room where the child was. He took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. The girl, a child of twelve, arose immediately and walked around. At that, they were utterly astounded. He gave strict orders that no one should know this, and said that she should be given something to eat. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Wednesday, January 31st, 2024 the Memorial of St. John Bosco, or Don Bosco as he's often called. Quick note on him before going into the readings. Don Bosco was a Catholic priest 
during the Industrial Revolution. And upon being ordained, he moved to Torino, to Turin, uh, and took up his ministry. Turin was the place that was and continues to be one of the most industrial cities in all of Italy. And during the Industrial Revolution, as we see in stories by people like Charles Dickens, the people that were oftentimes forgotten um, or hurt by the Industrial Revolution in many respects were children. There was a, a tremendous issue of, of orphaning uh, during that period of time. And Don Bosco took it upon himself and focused his ministry on taking care of the children. You can read numerous books on the miracles of Don Bosco, ranging from curing uh, a young girl of her blindness um, to curing several boys of smallpox. But throughout, the, the theme really holds consistent that he saw his, his role as taking care of those who couldn't take care of themselves and sought to, uh, both within Torino and in surrounding areas like in Lanzo, um, to help those, uh, those children who had been left behind by the Industrial Revolution. A reading from the second book of Samuel. King David said to Joab and the leaders of the army who were with him, Tore all the tribes in Israel from Dan to Beersheba, and register the people, that I may know their number. Joab then reported to the king the number of people registered. In Israel, 800,000 men fit for military service. In Judah, 500,000. Afterward, however, David regretted having numbered the people and said to the Lord, I have sinned grievously in what I have done. But now, Lord, forgive the guilt of your servant, for I have been very foolish. When David rose in the morning, the Lord had spoken to the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and say to David, this is what the Lord says. I offer you three alternatives. Choose one of them, and I will inflict it on you. Gad then went to David to inform him. He asked, Do you want a three years famine to come upon your land? Or to flee from your enemy three months while he pursues you? Or to have a three days pestilence in your land? Now consider and decide what I must reply to him who sent me. David answered Gad, I am in very serious difficulty. Let us fall by the hand of God, for he is most merciful. But let me not fall by the hand of man. Thus David chose the pestilence. Now it was the time of the wheat harvest, when the plague broke out among the people. The Lord then sent a pestilence over Israel, from morning until the time appointed, and seventy thousand of the people from Dan to Beersheba died. But when the angel stretched forth his hand toward Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord regretted the calamity, and said to the angel, causing the destruction among the people, Enough now, stay your hand. The angel of the Lord was then standing at the threshing floor of Eruana, the Jebusite. When David saw the angel who was striking the people, he said to the Lord, It is I who have sinned. It is I, the shepherd, who have done wrong. But these are sheep. What have they done? Punish me and my kindred. The Word of the Lord.
A reading from the Gospel according to Mark. Jesus departed from there and came to his native place, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished. They said, Where did this man get all this? What kind of wisdom has been given him? What mighty deeds are wrought by his hands? Is he not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his native place, and among his own kin, and in his own house. So he was not able to perform any mighty deed there, apart from curing a few sick people by laying his hands on them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Thursday, February 1st, 2024. A reading from the first book of Kings. When the time of David's death drew near, he gave these instructions to his son, Solomon. I am going the way of all flesh. Take courage and be a man. Keep the mandate of the Lord your God, following his ways and observing his statutes, commands, ordinances, and decrees as they are written in the law of Moses, that you may succeed in whatever you do, wherever you turn, and the Lord may fulfill the promise he made on my behalf when he said, If your sons so conduct themselves, that they remain faithful to me with their whole heart and with their whole soul, you shall always have someone of your line on the throne of Israel. David rested with his ancestors and was buried in the city of David. The length of David's reign over Israel was 40 years. He reigned seven years in Hebron and 33 years in Jerusalem. Solomon was seated on the throne of his father David, with his sovereignty firmly established. The Word of the Lord. A reading from the Gospel according to Mark. Jesus summoned the twelve and began to send them out two by two, and gave them authority over unclean spirits. He instructed them to take nothing for the journey but a walking stick, no food, no sack, no money in their belts. They were, however, to wear sandals, but not a second tunic. He said to them, Wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave from there. Whatever place does not welcome you or listen to you, leave there and shake the dust off your feet in testimony against them. So they went out and preached repentance. The twelve drove out many demons, and they anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Friday, February 2nd, 2024. The Feast of the Presentation of the Lord. A reading from the book of the prophet Malachi. Thus says the Lord God, Lo, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me, 
And suddenly there will come to the temple the Lord whom you seek and the messenger of the covenant whom you desire. Yes, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who will endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like the refiner's fire, or like the fuller's lie. He will sit refining and purifying silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi, refining them like gold or like silver, that they may offer due sacrifice to the Lord. Then the sacrifice of Judah and Jerusalem will please the Lord, as in the days of old, as in years gone by. The Word of the Lord. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Hebrews. Since the children share in blood and flesh, Jesus likewise shared in them, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who through fear of death had been subject to the slavery all their life. Surely he did not help angels, but rather the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, he had to come like his brothers and sisters in every way, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest before God, to expiate the sins of the people. Because he himself was tested through what he suffered, he is able to help those who are being tested. The Word of the Lord. A reading from the Gospel according to Luke. When the days were completed for their purification, according to the law of Moses, Mary and Joseph took Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, just as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male that opens the womb shall be consecrated to the Lord, and to offer the sacrifice of a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons, in accordance with the dictate in the law of the Lord. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, awaiting the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Christ of the Lord. He came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform the custom of the law in regard to him, He took him into his arms and blessed God, saying, Now, Master, you may let your servant go in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all the peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory for your people Israel. The child's father and mother were amazed at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be contradicted, and you yourself a sword will pierce, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, She was advanced in years, having lived seven years with her husband after marriage, and then as a widow until she was eighty-four. 
She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day with fasting and prayer. And coming forward at that very time, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were awaiting the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had fulfilled all the prescriptions of the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Saturday, February 3rd, 2024. A reading from the first book of Kings. Solomon went to Gibeon to sacrifice there because that was the most renowned high place. Upon its altar, Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night. God said, Ask something of me, and I will give it to you. Solomon answered, You have shown great favor to your servant, my father David, because he behaved faithfully toward you with justice and an upright heart. And you have continued this great favor toward him even today, seating a son of his on his throne. O Lord my God, you have made me your servant, king, to succeed my father David. But I am a mere youth, not knowing at all how to act. I serve you in the midst of the people whom you have chosen, a people so vast that it cannot be numbered or counted. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding heart to judge your people and to distinguish right from wrong. For who is able to govern this vast people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon made this request. So God said to him, Because you have asked for this, not for a long life for yourself, not for riches, not for the life of your enemies, for an understanding so that you may know what is right. I do as you requested. I give you a heart so wise and understanding that there has never been anyone like you up to now, and after you, there will become no equal to you. In addition, I give you what you have not asked for, such as riches and glory, that among kings there is not your like. The Word of the Lord. A reading from the Gospel according to Mark. The apostles gathered together with Jesus and reported all they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. People were coming and going in great numbers, and they had no opportunity even to eat. So they went off in the boat by themselves to a deserted place. People saw them leaving, and many came to know about it. They hastened there on foot from all the towns and arrived at the place before them. When Jesus disembarked and saw the vast crowd, his heart was moved with pity for them, for they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In the 1500s, King Henry VIII famously led a schism from the Holy Catholic Church 
on the basis of his declared divine right to rule not only in matters of state, but over matters of the church as well. This idea of a divine right continued to expand in England until you see people like King James I imprisoning anyone that would challenge that right. That they they believed very much that they were entitled to rule over all matters of faith as well as state. And it was the duty of everyone else to then serve them. While a glorious revolution in, in England led to an end in that, we do see that divine right philosophy continue in places like France and really reaching its pinnacle with kings like Louis XIII and XIV, who not only believed that they had been blessed and had a divine right to rule, but in some respects believed themselves divine, in fact. Now, why am I giving this historical context of divine right of kings? It's because as I read the readings this week, I realized just how wrong they got it. We see a a real emphasis, especially in the readings about Solomon, around where where that mandate for leadership and kingship truly comes from. In the two readings from 1 Kings this week, Fridays and Saturdays first readings, in the first one we see King David telling Solomon, his son, while David is on his deathbed, if you simply serve the Lord and his expectations and the duties in the rituals, in the laws, then the Lord has said there will always be someone of our line sitting on the throne of Jerusalem. That your first duty is to serve God. And then in the very next reading, Solomon is sleeping. And the Lord comes to him and says, ask of anything and I'll give it to you. And rather than asking for riches or for power or a long life, Solomon says, please give me a heart to be able to serve the people. You've given me this tremendous duty and responsibility to look over your people. And I don't know how to do that. I need your wisdom. I need to know, to be able to discern right from wrong in order to do your will, in order to ensure that I am a good ruler for the people. So in short, he's asked the Lord to help him serve the people. It's as simple as that. Where does leadership come from? It's a mandate from God in the duty to him, and it's a mandate from the people in duty to them. And by the way, as we see in the readings this week, it's not always easy to get that mandate from the people. King David is fleeing from Jerusalem because he's been tricked into believing that all of the people of Israel are behind Absalom now. And he recognizes, I better get out of here with all of those who still care for me. But he finds that when he escapes to the desert, to the place where he's had so much experience running from Saul in his youth that the people still want to follow him. But as he's he's fleeing, he goes to this one area and Shimei, son of Gera of the clan of Saul, starts shouting curses and throwing dirt clods and stones at at, uh, David and his people. 
And when one of David's close uh, guards and advisors, Abishael, says to David, why don't they just go kill him? David stops him and says, I, I basically, I don't have any rule over this guy. He may be doing God's will. If my own son is rising against me, why should I expect any different from this guy who clearly feels wronged by what I've done over the years? Leave him be. We don't have the authority to exert our will over him. In the New Testament, we see Jesus facing the same thing. First, in the case of the Gerasene demoniac, the part that we all remember, certainly what I remembered, was Jesus sending the, the demon's legion out of the man and into the, the, the herd of swine and running them off the cliffs or down the slopes and drowning into the water. For anyone that's seen that region of the Golan Heights and the Gerasene lands, it's largely 7,500 foot sheer cliffs. There may be some, some slopes that are a little bit easier, but I've always envisioned that those pigs didn't run into the sea. They probably fell from these cliffs. Taking that aside, the part that I had forgotten was that after he had done that, the people from the Gerasene lands, mostly Gentiles, mind you, pled with him to leave. And so he did. And he left someone behind to tell his story. He goes to his own home in Nazareth, his childhood home, and he's shunned by people who say, who is this person to believe that they have authority to teach? When I know who they were as a child, I know who his brothers were, his brothers are, I know his parents. What gives him this belief that he can teach us or that he has some, some great feats that he can, he can demonstrate to us? And so Jesus leaves. He even goes so far in another case as to tell his disciples as he's sending them out two by two, that if anyone were to uh, be unwilling to listen, that they should just leave them behind, snub them with the dust on their sandals. It's a recognition that people choose to follow and that a leader, a king, a teacher can't do so without the will of the people. But it's not just the will. It's also recognition that the leader is there first and foremost to serve the people. In the case of King David, he had this one of a whole series of terrible points of judgment. It's no wonder that Solomon asked for judgment as a gift. Where David asks God to inflict pestilence on the people rather than him being inconvenienced or sought after uh, and pursued by his enemies. And once David saw the people suffering, 70,000 people had died and all these people suffering. He goes to God again and he says, please, the sheep have, have not deserved this. It was the shepherd that sinned. Take out your wrath on me and on my kindred. He had that moment of weakness, but then he recognized once again that it's his, his job as king to serve the people. 
when Jesus was seeking time by himself, when the, his disciples had returned and he wanted to learn of their tales to be regaled with these great adventures from his disciples who had just come back from, from going out to various lands, they tried to get away to a deserted place. The throngs of people got there first. And rather than be angry, Jesus had sympathy. And he recognized that it was his responsibility, whether he wanted it or not, it was his responsibility to serve the people. We saw when he, he was called by Jairus to go to, the, uh, to his home and save his daughter, there was a woman who had suffered 12 years of hemorrhaging, who had touched his, his clothes. And upon feeling the energy go out from him, Jesus didn't get frustrated. His, his people did. They didn't get frustrated. He didn't get frustrated. He turned around and said, your faith has healed you. Go and live your life now. Leadership, kingship is about serving, serving God, serving one another. Those that believed that their role as a king, as a leader, was a divine right, had it all wrong. It's not an entitlement or a right. It's a duty. And it's not something that's bound to the 1500s, 1600s, the 1700s. It remains relevant today. Our leaders today often lose track that their first responsibility is to serve those that they're leading. They're not being held up by the people that they've that they're they're leading. They're there to hold the people up. So as we go into election cycles and whatever else, I know at least I'm going to be looking back to this and using it as a litmus test and saying, are the people in whom I'm placing faith? Do they truly place their faith in God? Do they do their service to him? And do they do their service to everyone else? It really reflects on the two commandments as Jesus offers them. The first commandment is to God. And the second is to love one another. I can only hope that whether it be in the office, in the family, in politics, or in the church, that those who have taken their charge from, from us, who are set to be our leaders, recognize those duties of service, just as Jesus did, just as David did, just as Solomon placed at the very center of his life. Thanks be to God. Mm -hmm.